welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. Yes. How you doing? I'm feeling hurried. Yeah, we got we got places to be. Yeah, we're we're uh we're banking this episode about a week and a half before yeah. it's going up because uh you are going to be in Chicago, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Why? Just for funsies? Uh yeah, pretty much. Okay. Uh we were going there was uh, a couple that we really enjoying that we are, we're good friends with we were we were going to be going on a cruise with them over the spring but that got canceled and one of the things that we were bummed about obviously was not going on the cruise but also not getting to see these friends of ours so we said oh well we'll come out to chicago in the fall and so uh i cannot now you gotta do it exactly what you said you would now you gotta and i have tickets um uh yeah i'm so excited uh, by the time and you know what yeah, I just can't hide it. I could. Yeah, I was gonna say you're I'm doing a to, piss poor job if you were trying. Yeah, <laughs> David, I don't know if you can tell or not. I'm about to lose control. But here's the kicker: I think I like it. <laughs> um, okay, so you're in Chicago. Yeah, and we're uh, uh, crunched for time today because we're uh, hanging out with friends tonight. Um, we can say what we're doing. We're doing the thing that you invented a couple years ago called the fantasy oscar i, co- I co-invented with uh, oh, a okay. friend of the show friends of the show scott and i and jason aiken but yes i only, only know one of them um so uh it's the fantasy now that we're doing tonight is the fantasy oscar draft right now you call it fantasy oscar but it's fantasy awards it's fantasy awards so you pick the, you yeah. pick your things your here's my guy for best actor here's my gal for best actors here's yeah. my picture here's my screenplay oh, you pick all these things yeah. that are your yours through award season yeah whoever whichever racks up the most awards in their category at the end is the winner. That's basically, that's the basic idea, right? This is the first year I've done it. There is a date at which you can drop something, exchange some points and get something else that maybe nobody else has claimed. Or you can work work out a trade with somebody like, yeah, that sounds like way too involved. You, you think that, but what it could be first off the first year is very exciting because we said, all right, midnight on December 9th and literally, and I was just waiting for it to click over and then I hit send along with everybody else. Like everybody, we were all waiting. It was very, it was a nice unifying thing. That, so, that sounds like it could be fun. Um, so we're going uh, over to uh, that guy's house to do, uh, <laughs> I don't know why I'm pretending like I don't. It's a, it's a weird beat to be playing. Right <laughs> going now. over to Jason's house to pick our guys our, and gals. and Yeah. Pick our movies. teams. Yeah. Okay. Um, that's it, right? Was there we more should, to it? You know what we should do? We should come up with team names. You would. That's, that's a thing that people do in fantasy Oscar drafts. And, uh, sorry, fantasy, fantasy football drafts. Yeah. And uh, we don't do it. Yeah. That's something we should mention. Remind me when we get there tonight to okay. suggest that. That'd be fun. Yeah. What would you name your team? Can you think of one? Just off the top of your head? Uh, Crash and the Boys. Crash and the Boys. Isn't that from Scott Pilgrim? Oh, gosh, I don't remember. That sounds like it would be, yes. Um, but, yeah, so... Uh, yeah, that's very exciting. Uh, before we move on, I will say that this episode is sponsor- sponsored. Pardon me. I did it again. Stupid Aperture. <laughs> oh, I probably shouldn't say stupid Aperture. Um, this episode is sponsored by Aperture, providing quality movie-making equipment at an affordable price. I know a number of independent filmmakers, and they've often told me about the high price of equipment rental and the even higher price to purchase the equipment. Aperture is committed to helping independent filmmakers and photographers achieve their dream without going bankrupt. To find out more, just click on the ad at battleshippretension.com. Yes, please do. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be great. Um, sorry, I feel, I feel all this pressure to get through this episode. Okay. Uh, I hope this doesn't make for a shitty episode. I don't think so. This will be, you know, it's uh, there'll be a nice sense of immediacy to it. 
Uh, yeah, we've got things go. to say. Let's go. Um, now, we wanted to talk. Uh, we do a top of show topic. This mm-hmm. is the way it normally works. You can yeah. see this is the episode where you can see the skeleton of the show yeah. laid bare because there's so little meat on it. Um, uh, but uh, just now, now, OK, it's like we said, it's a week and a half later by the time you're hearing this, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, and so whatever became of box office mojo is, might be, it might be back. It might be, you know, yeah. I'm doing, I'm might be doing something different with it, whatever. But, uh, we want to talk about our immediate reactions to yeah. the fact that box office mojo went away. And what was your immediate reaction and how did you find out? I found out because the guy who apparently Voldemort because we're not naming him, uh, he told me. <laughs> Uh, his I, name is Jason. There we go. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I said his name already. Okay. Um, <laughs> he, uh, I had seen it. It was like trending for a short time, and then some of our friends were tweeting about it, but nobody said specifically what had happened to it. And uh, and then when he told me that it was just gone, mm-hmm. and I thought, oh my gosh, this is that's ve- it's very strange for something to just simply go away. Uh, and then you know, Jason had done some research and said that uh, apparently it has been owned for IMD from has been owned by IMDb for a very long time. And for whatever reason, and without any uh, fanfare or lead up, mm-hmm. they just stopped it. So if you go to, as of today, if you go to boxofficemojo.com, um, it will just take you to IMDb. So I'm interested to know, you know, there's not a lot of like artistic uh, discussion to be had out of it. More for me, just like the, the machinations of like, IMDb just getting bigger and I could almost feel like because IMDb is is for me a resource for almost everything when it comes to movies and TV um, and TV and so and awards you know it's a it's mm. and showtimes like all this stuff it's a really nice little hub but and they do have box office information on there but it's never as in depth as box office mojo so if so my guess was the people at IMDb, they looked at their traffic and they realized, okay, the one thing we're not getting is box office traffic. Everybody appears to be going to box office mojo, which we own. So how about this? Let's close that down. And now people will have no choice, but to go to IMDb, where else are you going to go for box office information? Right. I think, um, I'm sure I don't think, I, I don't think that's necessarily insidious or anything. I don't it think it's necessarily bad. I mean, if you got the same, uh, I mean, hopefully people don't lose their jobs. Um, you know, if you just move these people over to IMDb, I, hope, I think yeah. the handling of it is what's weird. Yeah. Like, why not be working on this in the background? You know? Yeah. The idea of migrating everything uh, and then make it a smooth transition. You know? So yeah. when you now, so, you know, in that case, now when you go to boxofficemojo.com and hit enter, it takes you to not IMDb.com, but yeah. the IMDb box office page with an explanation. Yeah. And, you, and so everything's done right, right right then and there you know which, I, if that's if that's the idea if that really is if they are just migrating this sort of information i hope um, that's what they're doing but I, then why not handle it the way i just said yeah i don't know it's unless yeah unless they aren't doing that and they just figured we're going to keep doing the box office stuff that we do at imdb and now people have no choice but to go there they're not going to go anywhere else well, yeah. Luckily, the internet is the internet, and someone else will someone else will yeah, fill yeah. that void. Because um, Box Office Mojo is I don't I, I I go to Box Office Mojo maybe twice a year because I don't like follow Box Office very right. much. But when I need to know something about the box office, yeah, that's the place to go. And it was 
uh, an easily navigable site, and yeah. it had it had the information you were looking for, no matter how what that information might be. Which leads me to this other this other thing, and we don't have to go too in depth about it. Um, I felt this way about you know businesses for a long time when a chain like you know Borders or Blockbuster, but in this in that case, that's chains that I went to on a regular basis. But anytime a chain closes down, or even like if a TV show gets canceled that I don't watch, mm-hmm. there's something about it that just saddens me. I don't know why. When I'm walking along and I see a business that is just vacant, even more so than a house, when I see a vacant business, I just think, oh, what a right. bummer. Like, Someone's dreams went up. That's kind of what I think. That's yes. when it's, yeah, but when it's a, when it's a chain, it's different, but it's still. Yeah. Then I, I think in terms you mention of, that cause I, then literally... I think in terms of jobs, but I also right. think in terms of for somebody out there, this business was very important to them. Yeah. Um, I literally had this reaction yesterday. Um, my wife and I were driving, uh, we were to a party. It's not important where we were driving, uh, but down sunset and we passed at, sunset and western on the on the northwest corner where what used to be the orchard supply hardware store mm-hmm. and now it's a big shoe store and i was like oh where'd the orchard supply hardware go and then i immediately went that i never once went into yeah <laughs> like i went to home depot because yeah. it was literally a block and a half closer to my apartment yeah near my <laughs> old place there was a restaurant not unlike the the jerry i believe it's a jerry seinfeld bit there was a restaurant that everything about it seemed like the kind of thing i would enjoy but it was never really i mean it was it was just never on my mind when I thought, oh, I'd like to go to like a little coffee shop. Mm. And then when it closed, I was like, oh, no. And then I realized, well, I hadn't done anything yeah. to help them out <laughs> aside, for, aside from, you know, send them good thoughts. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, and so, so – but now thinking – now let's – I think it's getting to that point where especially if you're our age who we did not grow up with the internet – but we i think we're at a good age where a good basically our entire adult lives or like our formative years had the internet mm. and that means and so as movie fans there were the sites that we went to and and that kind of thing and i developed even if it's not it's one thing if like you know Roger Ebert passes away or or a podcast ends because that's you're personally engaging with somebody mm-hmm. but even something like box office mojo which is just a place to go for information the concept of it being gone is sad to me yeah even if even if everything about it just gets incorporated into imdb and nobody loses a job and everything's more streamlined that's fine but there's just something about like oh box office mojo that's not a thing anymore and that's a, that bums me out for some reason. I felt the same way about uh, when they stopped up dra- updating uh, a site that you turned me on to, Fame Tracker. Yeah, which I, I love. I, I do miss Fame Tracker. That was great. That was a great thing. Yeah. I, although I think I feel like that whole like uh, in a good way, but like television without pity and Fame Tracker like kind of set the tone for the internet as it is now. Yeah. You know, like they were they were snarky before snark was like a lazy reflex. Yeah. They, you know what I mean? And they did it best, and they did it. Yeah. Re- that it was it was surprisingly well thought out. Fame Tracker, especially when it was like this guy versus that guy. I don't remember what was the name of that of I don't that remember. feature. I don't recall. I remember Celebrity versus Thing. Okay, yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> which good. which thing yeah. is more important to, to society? Catherine Zeta Jones or bagels? Yeah. <laughs> like, and I think that was actually a real one. 
uh, I love those. And, and this, of course, hey, it's that guy. Hey, it's that was, guy. That was wonderful. Yeah. And then I think it was it was some, I, I don't remember the name of the feature, but it was basically like they'd say Brian Cox versus Michael Gambon or uh-huh. something like that. Just actors who often, if you can't get one, you'll probably get the oh, other. I do know what you're talking. Yeah, and I don't remember the name of it. And it was just. Because that's the thing. It wasn't merely snark. It was snark combined with knowledge of the business mm-hmm. and of the artistic aspect of it, but also affection. I think there was genuine affection for yeah. for what they talked about. I also liked, uh, and then we'll move on, but I liked their, they did their like fame track awards at like Oscar season. Mm-hmm. And one of the awards was the, uh, the John C. Riley Hey, It's That Guy graduation award. <laughs> right. Uh, which is, was it John C. Riley or was it Paul Giamatti? I think it was John C. Riley. Okay, uh, yeah. was the first one because that was like when Chicago came out. He sort of yeah. like went from being a hey, it's that guy to a to a yes, name. That is true. Um, and uh, I, I I like that idea that every year they picked someone that was formerly someone you recognize and now everyone knows his name. And I recall that or her uh, name. Yes, hey, it's that gal. Um, the uh, and I do like that the sort of the mascot for the hey it's that guy was jt walsh mm-hmm. who they said yeah. was the ultimate that guy yeah who died too young yes all um, right that's if, that yeah that's that was fun you yeah know, talking about uh Fame tracker just the stuff that we came up with one way or another yeah and uh i hope box office mojo uh exists in some point by, the, some, time, by the time you're hearing this yeah in some way shape or form. yeah all right um another ad sure uh, don't mind if I do. <laughs> it's like you're presenting them to me on a platter. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. This episode is also sponsored by the Double Feature Podcast. For the whole month of October, they're discussing horror movies, including The Mist, Demon Seed, and The Dead Zone. I tried to pick three that you and I have seen. Demon Seed. Demon yeah. Seed. Good That's times. A good one. Clean these lenses. Uh, this week... They'll be discussing a BP favorite, Your Next, along with a film that I, I unfortunately have not heard of called The Children. What do these movies have in common? You'll just have to listen to Double Feature to find out. To do so, just click on the ad at battleshippretension.com. Okay. Um, and real quick, I want to mention tweakedaudio.com, which is where you get professional quality earbuds in a variety of styles and colors. And uh, we talk about how good they sound, mm-hmm. which is true. Yeah. They're great sounding uh, earbuds, but they look real sharp, you know? <laughs> I feel, I feel good about myself when I'm walking about town, you know, getting on and off buses uh, with my tweaked audio earbuds dangling out of my ears. They're, they, they, I look like I feel like I look more put together. I feel a little more vibrant. Like I feel like I'm turning heads, you know. And it's all because of TweakedAudio.com's commitment to style, as well as their commitment to sound. I just wanted to mention that. So tweakedaudio.com is where you go for these these uh, earbuds. They're great looking. And if you go to tweakedaudio.com slash pretension, you get them for one third off and no shipping charges. That's tweakedaudio.com slash pretension. So let's get into it, shall we? Indeed. We wanted to talk about it. Okay. It's well, first, off, okay. Going back a week or two, you and I mentioned that uh, the summer is like blockbuster season, right? Right. It's big movie season, mm-hmm. but to us, and I imagine to a lot of our listeners, the fall into the winter is like that's the big movie season for us. Yeah, the year starts in <laughs> at the beginning of September. Usually. Yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, so we were talking about this idea of that we were talking about the Hobbit movie and being mm-hmm. like something that's like 
I didn't like the first two. I'm probably not going to like this one, but I'm going to see it. And I, and it I, was such a foregone conclusion. Uh-huh. Both of us said, "Yeah, we're not super thrilled, but I mean, we're going. I mean, obviously, we're going to see it." Yeah. Now, there's a two fo- for for us that could mean simply that we have a podcast and mm-hmm. we need to be part of the conversation. Yeah, or we'll get uh, press screening or something. Right. Like that. Right. Yeah. Uh, I would venture to say, even if we didn't have the podcast, we're we would have seen we would see the Hobbit. Well, that this is, I think, uh, uh, where there might be cause for discussion here and some difference between you and me, because I don't know that that's true. Okay. Because, um, well, basically, the reason I'm bringing up The Fall is that, for me, there are more movies that feel inevitable in yeah. the fall than in the true. summer. You know, I skipped, I mean, I've skipped Marvel movies for two years. Yeah. Uh, and I skipped, I, I, I didn't, I didn't see really any of the big blockbusters this summer except for Edge of Tomorrow. And even that, it was almost yeah, on, yeah. out of the, the out of the theater yeah. by the time I finally decided the theoretical to see it. blockbuster. <laughs> yeah, um, but uh, but the example I'll give to say why I don't think that that's that uh, there are more inevitabilities for me now because I feel like I've taken on the uh, a certain mantle of uh, the the podcast and the website and being mm-hmm. a critic and and, and uh, I feel like I've set myself up to where I'd be fraudulent if i didn't <laughs> see certain things but before we did the podcast okay um i saw star wars episode one the phantom menace mm-hmm. in the theater when i was yeah. in high school i saw with you star wars episode two the attack of the clones in the theater we saw that together yeah in evanston it was, that's in, right. it was we me were, and you and a bunch of a bunch of people a bunch, yeah, of, I, right. a bunch of your friends i didn't I know yeah. them very well um and, and that was when I was in college. And then when I was out of college in 2005, when uh, Reven- Revenge of the Sith. when Episode 3 of Revenge of the Sith came out, I skipped it. I ended up catching it on HBO a few years later when I moved out to uh, to Los Angeles. And it's better than the other two, but it's still yeah. not very good. Yeah. Um, which is kind of what I'm hoping for for the third Hobbit movie. Because I like the second one better than the first one, but they're both yeah. not very good. I'm hoping the third one will be... Uh, better than the first two. Here's my but, here's my thought. Saying, real quick. Okay, sorry. I just want to finish my, my okay. thought, which is that uh, I didn't always have this inevitability. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, yeah, I have somewhere in between uh, because actually, hang on, I'll get to that in a moment. First, I will say that uh, the reason I'm not necessarily optimistic about the third Hobbit movie is that so far the best scenes have been between two characters. In the first one, the best scene was between uh, Bilbo and Gollum. Mm-hmm. Second one, between Smaug and Bilbo. Those are the best scenes. So in a film entitled Battle of the Five Armies, where li- now everything's coming together, I feel like there's not going to be any of those moments. Well, we, we need Bilbo and a CGI character. Yeah. That's clearly th- the pattern. And I think we're out. Uh, maybe he can, you know, talk to Sauron or something. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's uh, so that's my that is my concern is that uh, that whatever the Hobbit has always been best when it is when it's small or at least intimate. And that is one of the reasons why it never should have been three movies. But anyway, um, so what I was going to say is that so I have a friend uh, back in Denver. Uh, is he a friend? At this point, he's more of an acquaintance. I haven't really kept up with him. But um, but I do know that uh, having spoken to him occasionally, uh, we tend to differ on our opinion of film. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, you know, not the end of the world. But, and I think I've told this story on the show before. He has said, he specifically said that he will see any movie that is hyped. Have I said that before? Yeah, you have. You have yeah. talked about this. Because I always wonder what he means, like by people or just if the advertising is big enough. I think to him it's the same thing. Okay. You know, like I have no doubt. And I, and I did ask, well, what, you know, is it something you want to see? He said, sometimes no, but I don't want to be out of the conversation, which is actually not unlike something that you and I – you and I saying like, well, we have a podcast. We need to be part of the conversation. And, but even before that, there are movies I'm just like, well, I still, you know, there's part of me that wants to see, even though I don't think it'll be very good, but I still want to be at least in the loop. Or I guess maybe the idea is I at least want to have my finger close to the pulse of what people like, but it's not necessarily hype. Otherwise I would have seen more than just one of the last four Transformers movies. Mm Mm-hmm. Transform the, the fourth Transformers is like number one at the box office this year. Yeah, don't look. Age you can't, of extinction. You can't look. You can't look that up. By the way, not anymore. Yeah. is that um, what it's called? Age, Age of Extinction. I think so. If only, right? Oh, that'd be wow. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, uh, but I have no. I feel no obligation to see that. Yeah. Um, I don't. Do so, we, okay. So, did we get an invitation to the screening? I don't think we did. Um, if we had, I don't. I don't no. Paramount, had, I still don't think I would have gone. Uh, Paramount, they, they liked this at first, and then mm-hmm. a new guy took over the like online oh, yeah. press and was like, "These seemed, guys are small potatoes." Yeah, he took over online press and seems to have nothing but disdain for <laughs> online press. No, I, we're just we're pretty small potatoes. I, I have so. to we have to admit that. Um, so yeah, we don't get Paramount screenings like we used to. Um, so yeah, we didn't get that. What were we saying? Okay, so what makes a movie inevitable? I have for you. I've been thinking about this since we decided it on it as a topic, and I'm not really sure. I think it. I think it has to do, for me, with it's. A, it's a combination of things. Sometimes some things are weighted heavier yeah, it's than definitely others. a combination. Like, I like Peter Jackson. I think he's a good, very capable director, um, even when he's put out movies that I'm not thrilled with. Like the last two Hobbit movies, even though again that second one was was better. It was better and at times quite enjoyable. At times, overall, yeah. I don't think I'd say that. But at times, when it's when it works, it works wonderfully, and that's when you see like okay. ah, there's Peter Jackson. I'll say I didn't. I, I uh, in watching the second Hobbit, Desolation of Smoke, I didn't find myself wishing I could pull up my phone and see how much time had passed. Fair enough. <laughs> Which yes. is something... My phone's off, of course, in the movie theater, but, you know, uh, theoretically. Um, which, but during the first one, The Unexpected Journey, that's all I felt. I felt like yeah. every, every second ticking by. Yeah, up until that Gollum, scene, Gollum scene, where it's yeah. like, man, could we just have a whole movie of this? Yeah. Um, uh, but anyway, um, well, you mentioned a director, and I think that's a big part of it for mm-hmm. me, but it's... I'm almost guilty of like the uh, um, studio mentality of like a, a a director and actor is only worth whatever they last did. You know, their whole hmm. their bankability is only based on what they last did. And sometimes that's like for me, it's like I would have I you know I considered Pacific Rim like and this was an inevitable type movie. I'm going to yeah. see Pacific Rim, and then I saw it and I thought it was dreadful. And yeah. now I don't feel excited about 
Guillermo del Toro's next movie. Um, Interesting. Yeah, because uh, especially he had complete control, I believe, on Pacific Rim, and yeah. it was a passion project. So this is what he can put out with no <laughs> with no restraints. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, it was the, what's felt like one of the most restrained movies, yeah. or at least the most conventional uh, movies of the year. I, I yeah. really disliked Pacific Rim. But uh, I had this... Um, Last night, I saw uh, the the wife and I saw Gone, Gone Girl. Mm-hmm. Um, I almost went very Midwestern there. Gone, Gone Girl. Oh, jeez. Um, and uh, I just went. I just went a little yeah. bit uh, north. <laughs> so, um, which, by the way, I would say Gone Girl it was something of an inevi- inevitability for me. Uh, which is yeah. interesting. But we'll, let's put a pin in in David Fincher for now. Okay. Uh, and I want to talk about the trailers that I saw before Gone Girl. Okay. Um, one of them was Fifty Shades of Grey, which if there's a reverse inevitability, like yeah. I am inevitably not going to see Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah. No, I would never say that. I mean, I'm being glib here. Uh, but I almost certainly won't be seeing Fifty Shades of Grey. Who's directing uh, it? Um, I think it's, is it Sam Taylor Johnson? I don't remember. Um, I think that's who it is. Um, so uh, I probably won't be seeing that. So that was one of them. Uh there was one I and now oh there was Birdman which uh, I wouldn't say is inevitable but based on the reviews that it's getting I I, I will it see should it. be inevitable for you um, but the other two that I want to talk about one was Inherent Vice okay that's an inevitable I'm going to see Inherent Vice because it's Paul Thomas Anderson yeah the other one Paul Thomas Anderson doing a comedy yeah and if you if I wasn't sold on it throughout the entire trailer I think the very last thing you see which is Joaquin Phoenix getting hit on the head and putting up a bit of a fight as he goes down. <laughs> oh, yeah. That no. is some of the best physical I'll comedy I've seen part, in a long time. Which part in the trailer was the funniest and the most, like, secured my wanting to see the movie is Josh Brolin yelling at the sushi chefs oh, yeah. in Japanese <laughs> and just repeating, Hi! Hi! <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, my God. That was funny. So, yeah, that's an inevitable. But the other one, and I feel like a lot of our listeners will disagree with me, Interstellar. That's not an inevitable for me. I think... I've been burned by Christopher Nolan too many times that this is a wait and see type of, uh, I mean, again, I might get a screening or something and then if I can make it, I'll go, but I don't feel that pull to see Interstellar the way I do in Heron Vice. When I saw the teaser for Interstellar, everybody was like, holy shit. And I thought, yeah, Christopher Nolan, it's going to be cold and I'm not (laughs) going to, it's going to, the writing's going to be clunky as hell. And, uh, I don't feel a huge desire to see it. When I saw the extended trailer, I thought, oh, it's not going to be cold. At least it doesn't appear to be. It looks as though Matthew McConaughey and Anne Hathaway brought some of themselves to the proceedings and it will feel different uh, than, and I might be wrong, but compared with like an inherent vice or something like that, it is not nearly the inevitability for me it's it's one of the things like things like yeah i'll pr- i'll probably see it but compared to inherent vice where i feel like i have to see it mm-hmm. like like I, I don't even have a choice in the matter um but in a good way in a good way oh in a great way which i don't think is which is i think important to the conversation we're having yeah but i wonder if we should spend some time talking going back to things the ne- like the hobbit sure. and the idea of feeling inevitable about something you ne- you don't necessarily want to see yeah and okay so and i try not to I try not to do that anymore because I, I, I think again I got burned too many times. Yeah. Um, but I do I do feel like with the Hobbit, when it's like the third of a movie I've already seen two of, I feel uh, 
I, I feel that. But again, it's more now than like, to go back to the Star Wars thing. I think, you know, we're talking about it's uh, because we have this website and we have this podcast. We feel like we've put the onus on ourselves. Mm-hmm. And that's definitely a big part of it. But I think, uh, and this is something that I don't necessarily like about myself, um, but being a part of the internet film buff community mm-hmm. as a whole, I think is the biggest uh, uh, part of that for Absolutely. me. And I've tried to remember, because here's the thing. When we started Battleship Retention, neither one of us, other than having heard of Ain't It Cool News and maybe visit, visiting it a handful of times, yeah, um, we didn't know about this. About, about And it seems naive now. It's like, it's the internet. Yeah. Of course there was a community. We didn't know about any of it. Yeah, I mean, the internet uh, is where we would go to read critics who were primarily print. Yeah, we would read it from IMDb, yeah. like links to McLaSalle or exactly. whatever. Um, uh, but, uh, and, and yeah, and I feel like it wasn't until we, uh, until Dave Chen from Flesh, Slash Filmcast reached out to us because we'd talked about his show on our show and yeah. it turned out he was listener. And then that's when I think, th- that's when I first started realizing there's this huge community. Yeah. And there's some things that are great about it. Um, but I think the downside is that I feel like I have to keep up with a conversation that feels like a zeitgeisty public, you know, conversation, yeah. but it's really only being have, had by a few people over in this corner yeah. over here. Um, and it helps that I am married to someone who doesn't give a shit about all this. That definitely like yeah. gives me some perspective. That does help. Yes. Uh, but, uh, I, you know, I went through, I went through some times where, uh, I think, I'm trying to remember when, when did Prometheus come out? Like, what time of year was that? That was summer, I believe. I'm trying to remember if it was before Comic-Con or after. Uh, I believe it was before. Okay. Because I saw it with my friend in Chicago when we went out for Jen's birthday. So it was in June. Okay. Um, Because I know there are movies that I have seen in June and July before Mm Comic-Con, specifically because I know... I'm going to get into conversations about this. I'm going to want to have yes. an opinion. As Inception is one that I, I made a point of seeing. I saw Inception be- at Comic-Con. Uh, uh, I made a point of seeing before Comic-Con for that purpose. Now, another one of those that I wasn't wasn't necessarily on my radar um, was Super 8, which I ended up going the other way on Inception. I love Super 8, and mm-hmm. a, lot of, uh, a lot of the internet film type, you know, film geek community didn't love yeah. uh, Super 8. And you, I think, are more on their side, right? You're not a big fan? I'll say this. I, when I saw it, I, there are things I really liked about it. It's a hard movie to hate um, or even a hard movie to dislike. Uh, but what's interesting is over time, uh, the things that I don't – I don't remember the things I don't like. I do remember – I remember the things I do like, though. Yeah. Like, it's just – it has grown – it's not even so much that it has grown so much as it just shed – the negative things. I'm sure if I were to watch it again, well, this will go I, back. Would, I might remember, but this, this ties back into our last week episode very well. Yeah. I think because, um, the things you've forgotten that don't work about super eight, I yeah. think have more to do with, uh, pacing and structure and plot and the reveal of the alien and yeah, yeah. that sort of stuff. Um, the stuff that sticks with you, um, is the less specific atmosphere and tone stuff, which yeah. is what's the str- the strength of the movie and what makes me like it so much. Yeah, the, this, I'm sure you'll know what I mean when I say this. The spirit of the film has yeah. stuck with me. Yeah, uh, and I think I I got lucky that that's what resonated with me when I watched it, and yeah. so that's why I've liked it from the beginning. Yeah. Uh, 
I can't remember where how we got on a super eight, but um, oh. well, yeah, back the back the the idea is that um, it's not just that we have a podcast; it's that we have we feel like we're part of a community. Yeah, um, and I think that's again, I think there were really great things about the idea that there's a community of people, yeah. um, I, and, I, and I don't mean just other podcasters or other people who are um writing reviews online i mean our our listeners and the listeners of their shows and the readers of their websites and this whole community is all one thing and i think that's that's great i think there are conversations i've had because of it that i wouldn't have had otherwise right but i also think that it uh it tends toward uh arguments i (laughs) again Conversations I wouldn't have otherwise in a good way. Conversations I wouldn't have had otherwise in a bad way. Sure. Like, I don't need to be arguing about this thing that isn't important. Or I don't yeah. need to have an opinion on this movie. Uh, and I think I've, in recent years, tried to uh, slowly um, remove myself from it a little bit. Uh, surprise! I, I didn't think we were going to keep coming back to Comic-Con. But um, I won't go into too many specifics why, because I don't even have a very firm grasp on why but comic-con 2012 i had the first and last panic attack that i've ever i mean like i've had you know anxiety symptoms that i've usually been able to like uh talk myself down from or i've had a sort of sustained anxiety you know and i'm in therapy now and it's helping but comic-con in 2012 was the one and only time that i've had what i will throw my hands up and say that was a fucking panic attack and that was horrifying and um there are plenty of reasons why but i think uh the the pressure of you know did i network enough did i meet enough people yeah. did i do comic-con right did i did i use this opportunity to connect with the community or whatever yeah. became too much of a pressure on me um and so i think that comic-con 2012 was kind of a turning point where i uh i had coincidentally just started therapy very shortly before that uh and i think i've removed myself from from that a little bit so this is all to say to get back to the topic i put less pressure on myself for movies than i did two and a half years ago you know i think this does speak to this idea that when you are in a position like we are it's easy to say well i want to be part of the conversation because i'm expected to be you know nobody wants to we don't want people to tune into BP or go to the website thinking, you know, wanting to hear what we have to say about a specific movie and there's nothing there. Um, even to the extent that like, I don't think we had a review of gone girl, but I was on screen bites the, the week, the, the weekend it came out and I put that on our website. So at the very least you have a BP related opinion. Um, and so, uh, that is part of it. The, what I'll say, the professional part of it. And that's the, that's professional in quotes. Yeah. Yeah. We have we sponsors. Are, we are at this point semi-professional. Yeah, yeah. We have sponsors. We, but I mean, yeah, we make money mm-hmm. from our podcast and website. Yeah, we no we longer. Li- we're spend not professional. Money. Yeah, we don't live off it. Right. Uh, so we're not professional. Right. But we are semi-professional. Exactly. I think and that's the once those uh, BPs catch on. Uh, <laughs> that's that's what's going to skyrocket us to to greatness. Um, so. Let's say, okay, semi-professional. So semi-professional purposes, you know, you put pressure on yourself. And that's that's when, you know, I wind up seeing The Amazing Spider-Man. I didn't have any particular reason to see it. I just felt like, and I saw it at Comic-Con that year. And I thought... You go to the movies at Comic-Con a lot. Or not anymore, but you did. Uh, in that particular... Mm. Okay, <laughs> let's move on. 
I cannot <laughs> say the circumstances under which I saw that film or why. Um, but uh, but I didn't I didn't have to. But I felt like I should. Um, and that was a purely professional thing. You're talking about the Amazing Spider-Man. That's the one. That, that's weirdly one that I got interested in. I saw it because I wanted to see it, mm-hmm. and I did see it right before Comic Con. Yeah. Um, that was 2012, right? Uh, yeah, I believe so. So that was the year that I yeah. Anyway, um, so it's all Mark Webb's fault. The, um, the flip side of this though is that you know. A lot of this kind of, I mean, we got into this because we love movies and we loved and we started doing a podcast because we love talking about movies, even just even if it's just the concept of movies sometimes. Yeah. And when we say like, oh, I want to be part of that conversation, it's there's a way to look at that in a negative way and feel like I don't want to be left out. It's not that it's the fact that this is fun. I want to be part of the conversation. I want to be able to talk with my friends about this thing. It might be bad. It might be good. But if people are talking about it, I want to be able to talk about it mm-hmm. with them. And maybe I can find out something that someone else, you know, somebody says something and you think, wow, I never thought of it that way. That's great. And that's a fun experience to have. And so so it winds up being a combination for us, or at least for me, of pressure I put on myself to always have an opinion so that people can come to us for opinions, which right. is what, you know, criticism is. Um, and just still enjoying the process of developing an opinion about something. But at the same time, it still is not enough to get me in the theater for Transformers. Um, I probably would not have seen the second Thor film had I not gone to a screening. Huh. And, but then, then we come up with some, come against something like The Judge, which, when I first saw a trailer, I thought, okay, that doesn't look that good to me. But I do love Robert Duvall. Mm-hmm. Actors aren't necessarily enough to get me into a theater. J.K. Simmons is enough to get me into Whiplash, especially the type of role he's playing. Yeah. And the type of part that Robert Duvall was playing in The Judge, I thought, I might be willing to see that. Then the reviews came out. It, was ne- it wasn't hated. It wasn't even necessarily panned. But everybody said, it's... A, it's too long. It's two and a half hours long, which is insane. So is Gone Girl. Yeah, but that fly, I thought that flew by. It does fly by, yeah. Whereas I feel like the judge, you're going to feel every second. Um, <laughs> except for, and everybody, say, everybody says the scenes between Robert Downey Jr. and Robert Duvall and Vincent D'Onofrio, uh, those, those scenes feel great. And in that moment, you forget about the mechanism of the film, which is usually pretty obvious. And so that's an instance where a few years ago, let, let's say 10 years ago, Maybe even longer. Um, if I'd seen, oh, here's a new movie with my favorite actor, Robert Duvall, I've got to see it. What, am I not going to see it? Uh-huh. But now... Did you see Secondhand Lions? I did. I didn't. It was not very good. Okay. I saw Get Low. No. Uh, and that one, there was, that, because of who I am, that was an inevitability. I felt like I had, like, I literally had no choice. Um, and so, uh, and for me, in talking about this, there's a... Uh, a phrase that I've said, I feel like I've said on the show somewhat recently, which is, what am I going to do? Not do that? Whatever it is. Right. Like, I think I said it in reference to, uh, when I went to see Into the Storm, they had free popcorn. <laughs> and I wasn't planning on having popcorn because I, w- I was trying to watch what I eat. And then I thought, what am I going to do? Not get the free <laughs> popcorn? What am I, crazy? Yeah. Uh, and in that same way, that's how I feel about the new Hobbit movie. What am I going to do? Not see the Hobbit? Yeah. And I am, am I, I'm interested in the new Hunger Games, but even if I wasn't, if I'd seen the first two, what am I going to do? Not see it? Yeah. 
Well, that also, I mean, uh, I I am a big fan of the first two Hunger Games movies, mm-hmm. so I have no, I'm looking forward to uh, Mockingjay Part 1, is that what it's called? Yeah, I guess so. Um, but uh, <laughs> even if I didn't, I am married to someone who there you I go. would have seen it with anyway. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so that one's, uh, that's beside the point. Um <laughs> It's going to be a short episode. <laughs> <laughs> We're already running out of things I'm, I'm, to say. I'm kind of running out of sneak. But I'm also trying to think, okay, so let's – once I started thinking about this uh, this topic and, and it started to expand in my mind a little bit and then I started to think uh, about film history and this feeling of, well, I'm going to see the – you know, you know mo- older movies uh, – mm-hmm that are considered great or whatever. And just this feeling of it's less a feeling of, well, I'm going to see that because there's not necessarily a sense of inevitability to that. There can be of, well, I like movies, so I'll get there. You know, I'll just get there eventually, which is off, which is how I went a very long time without seeing it's a wonderful life. Right. Because I just assumed I'll, I'm sure I'll like it. I'll get there. Uh Um, so I moved from that to this different thing, which might be a different episode. So I will let you tell okay. me what you think. And that is – so one, so looking at it from one angle, it's, well, of course I'm going to see it. Looking at it from another angle is, you have to see this. Is pe- you know I think that creates a sense of inevitability when other people put that pressure on you. It's like, you got to see it. I think that is another, that might be another, another episode. episode. Um, but yeah, there are – there are a handful of those, um, you gotta see it, that I haven't seen. Yeah. Um, I've never seen The Seventh Seal. Oh. And I've never seen The 400 Blows. Those mm. are like the two that lead to my mind. Numbers. Like, Numbers just terrible. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> those are like my two, like, uh, 13 going on 30? No, thank you. Oh, I, I saw the shit out of 13 going on 30. Uh, I loved it. That was did you really? Yeah, I did. That's wow. a, that's a That's an awesome movie. You don't like it? It's fine, I guess. I don't know. It's no, uh, it's no Peggy Sue got married. No, it isn't. But what can be? Fair enough. Uh, so, um, I, I guess what I'm coming, what I keep coming back to is that this inevitability comes from pressure to see it or to have an opinion. And again, yes. this is already this is ground we've already trod. But pressure of, um, of any kind, it could be yeah. external or internal. Well, I think it's all internal. That's the thing. Ah. Uh, psychological here yeah i guess so because no one is literally saying you have to have an opinion on um you know the next james bond movie when it comes out right no one is saying that you're not gonna get in any trouble if you don't see it but i mean i like legal trouble Uh, that's true yes yeah nobody's going to shoot you in the face (laughs) exactly uh but someone might feel this pressure Mm -hmm. and it might feel like external pressure but all yeah. you have to do is just not see it. And I've learned that lesson by skipping some pretty big movies. Like uh, like what? Like Guardians of the Galaxy. Hmm. That was a big movie that I decided to skip. That everyone... Uh, I mean, what that movie came out two months ago now? Yeah. Um, people st- people just assume that I've seen it. They, people start talking about Guardians of the Galaxy to me. Not just because it's a movie that a lot of people saw, but they, just because they think, well, David's a movie guy. Obviously, he and saw And you're Guardians a James Gunn fan. And I am a James Gunn fan. I don't know that everyone knows. I don't know my, my coworkers know that Fair I'm a James enough. Gunn yes. fan. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually going to, uh, Josh and I are going to be doing a live podcast at Biola University at the beginning of November. Uh-huh. And that sounds, that sounds I, I'm sure it'll be fun. 
That sounds like a made up name for a college. Biola. Biola. Fair enough. <laughs> what's what school do you go to? Uh, Loyola. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's right. Loyola. Or no, it's like. Uh, oh, I went. To, I went to Loyola. Oh, really? I went to Loyola. Do you have the same classes? I'm sorry. No, I said Biola. <laughs> <laughs> So certainly we don't have any, we didn't have any of the same classes and we don't know any of the same people. Um, but, uh, yeah, so the, uh, I forgot what it was. Oh yeah. Uh, so when, when it was told to me that that was a thing we were going to be doing, uh-huh. uh, as though we didn't have a choice, uh, obviously I'm jumping at the chance. It sounds like a lot of fun, but my first thought is, all right, I'm going to be talking to college students. And from what I hear about the Biola film program, uh, there's a lot a lot of emphasis on production, which is not unlike our own school. Right. Um, but unlike our school, um, not a whole lot of emphasis on uh, film studies and on uh, critical studies and that mm-hmm. sort of thing um, or film history. So it's like, OK, so I'm going to have to keep it current. And my first thought was I like, thought you were saying, all right, I'm going to have to give these guys four years worth of film theory <laughs> in, in 50 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, and so I thought, all right, well, what's a movie that they've seen? guardians of the galaxy it took about a half a second for me to arrive there Mm -hmm. and i have full confidence that everybody in that crowd i say crowd it'll probably be like 20 people that uh that everybody there will have seen it now of course i you could get a you could get a david Bax in there i mean literally i don't think i can make it okay uh, to the thing it's on a weekday right it's on a thursday yeah yeah i don't think i can make it yeah um but uh you might get someone in there who hasn't seen it. Well, and for that person, the companion film is Touch of Evil. So there you, yeah, go. There you go. A little something for everybody there. Um, maybe we'll. Maybe I'll lead with. Uh, we're going to be talking about Guardians of the Galaxy, but don't leave. The companion film is Touch of Evil. <laughs> <laughs> what a weird world that yeah. would be. No, ladies and gentlemen, please. <laughs> the Orson Welles is coming. <laughs> so. Um, I want to go back to what I was trying to say about Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, I forgot now. Uh, just that that because I asked you, what are some examples of movies that you have not? You've, oh, you right. probably have yes. felt that pressure, but you've not given into it. Yeah, and that's that's the big one. And uh, I guess that's that's what I'm saying with the well, about this being internal pressure, even if it feels like external pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing's going to happen. Everything's going to be okay. Yeah, if you haven't seen. Guardians of the Galaxy. Now, there's a time. I, I don't know if this is true or not, but let's say in 2009. Mm-hmm. Let's let's stick with the Comic Con thing, right? Yeah. Um, 2009, the first year we started this podcast in 2007. Yeah. Uh, 2009 was the first year that uh, I covered Comic Con as press. Um, if I, uh, I'm trying to think, what was the big movie the summer of 2009? I have no idea. I have no idea. Uh, I literally don't remember. That's so long I mean, ago. Yeah, I Avatar mean, was later that year. Right, right. But I don't remember what the Star summer, Trek, District Nine, District Nine. That was two thousand nine. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's say I uh, was just like blatantly like, nah, I haven't seen District Nine. Being a new podcast and being new to being press and 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 no. new to that being part of my identity, it might have had more of an effect. Like maybe now. Because I feel comfortable about Battleship Retention and about my reputation to the people who know me as a movie fan. Mm-hmm. Maybe now I can say, yeah, I skipped Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. And, sorry, I'm about to sneeze. Uh, I, can say, I, I skipped Guardians of the Galaxy and not worry that someone's going to think less of me as a cineast because of it. If anything, I have to assume that if people hear that, they'll think, well, it must not be worth seeing then. 
If uh-huh. David hasn't seen it, then what's the point? <laughs> right? Exactly. That's exactly What right. other conclusion could I come yeah. to? Um, um, but I've also, I mean, my identity, I've, doing this podcast has helped us in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, we've met a lot of people. But I think, and I, hopefully we've helped people. I know we have, like, high school listeners and stuff. We've Hopefully we've helped people uh, get to know cinema better. Yeah. But I think one of the biggest exa- uh, biggest uh, uh, results for me of doing this is that I know myself as a cinephile better. And so... And it's because of conversations like this, by the way. Yeah. The, the same thing that's keeping us from uh, going through the roof. I'm sure if we were to switch our format to a weekly review thing, we'd well, probably do better. Well, maybe if we had started that way. At this point, we'd get lost in the noise. Probably, yes. Um, uh, but uh, what, what I'm saying is... Um, my not have my saying i haven't seen guardians of the galaxy now um is not I mean, yeah it might have that effect of someone who listens to the podcast being like you're saying maybe mm-hmm. it's not worth seeing but also i think it fits with the my identity my personality as a film yeah. fan you know whereas uh and this isn't contrarianism this is just understanding myself better like uh Greg Araki's White Bird and the Blizzard mm-hmm. is a much bigger deal to me oh, sure. than Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. Uh, and that sounds like I'm being snobbish, uh, and I'm not, because I'm not, I'm not crapping on Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. I just didn't see it. I'll probably get around to seeing it someday, or maybe not. Yeah. I'm not putting that pressure on yeah. myself. And even, but, even there, just that, that little throwaway, that's, uh-huh. there's an air of inevitability. I'll probably get to it. You yeah. Know. There's not an urgency. I'll say that. Yeah. But with white, like White Bird and a Blizzard, that's one that you know when yeah. I get when I get that screening invite. Yeah. Um, uh, again, I probably would have seen it anyway, probably given the the reviews, and I, I probably would have seen it on video on demand closer to the end of the year when we're trying to do our top ten list. Yeah. Um, but uh, White Bird and the Blizzard is a big like that's one of the big movies of the year for me. Yeah. I when we got an invite to. Mr. Turner, the latest Mike Lee film, I almost let it go because I felt like I was being greedy uh, for 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 snatching it up. Look, Um, you and I, we built this city. Damn right we did. Um, Okay, (laughs) I want to bring this back around to because we put a pin in something. We're going to get back to it, which is David Fincher. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, and I don't know this necessarily. uh, I'll give my thoughts real quick. Okay. Okay. I don't know if this is necessarily entirely germane to the conversation, but... um, because I talked about the idea of being as good as your last film, mm-hmm. right? David Fincher's last film was The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Yeah. Which I didn't like that much. Yeah. But, there are parts that I loved, but yeah. But uh, I didn't... It's not like a Pacific Rim dislike. Where I was like... When I watched Pacific Rim, I was like, where even was Guillermo del Toro in that? That's, right. Uh, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo was a disappointment that was... But it was still so Fincher and so late period Fincher. Yes. That uh, it's still, I think we did an entire episode that was, it had another title, but it was essentially us debating Girl with a Dragon Tattoo for an yeah. entire episode. Although none uh, of this, I mean, I guess it does fit into style because we're talking about, we wound up talking about the tone of the film yeah. and how the tone impacted how we thought of a character's actions. Yeah, well, I, yeah, I yeah. think that, uh, again, okay, this isn't part of the topic, but that that thing is as much Fincher as his aesthetic. Absolutely. Because I think David Fincher, one of the things that I've come to realize about him that I was thinking of in the shower this morning, because that's apparently a recurring thing now, but thinking I was thinking, I, 
I ended up taking too long a shower, especially given that we're in a drought, uh, because I kept drifting off and just thinking about Gone Girl while mm. I was in the shower. Interesting. Um, and I was thinking about the fact that David Fincher doesn't like to have heroes in his movies. He has protagonists to one extent or another. Yeah. But there's never a hero in his movies. Hang on now. Um, I mean, maybe Ripley in Alien 3, but I don't think that that counts um I don't, yeah. he doesn't really think of that as I, I don't and one that. could make the argument that he did everything he could to make her as not heroic as possible right down to making her not look aesthetically pleasing and oh i think she's hot well yes obviously but, <laughs> but just having her look different right. than your standard uh you know heroine not that there have been a bunch um but then also by having her we find out fairly early in the film that she has an alien inside right, her. Right. And so the fact that you're rooting for, her, but she's no, tainted, or she's tainted yeah. and it's going to end in, it's going to end poorly for her. Right. And so there's somehow that undercuts any kind of her, uh, heroism that she right. might do. So anyway, this is all to say that, um, David Fincher is someone who has gone from being a director that I didn't like. I don't know if you remember. I, um, I recall, yes. Even back, probably, uh, it sort of coincided with the start of this podcast because that's when Zodiac came out at yeah. almost the exact same time we started this podcast. Yeah. Um, but uh, I have done a complete uh, 180 mm-hmm. on David Fincher, and now, even if I don't like a movie, like with yeah. Dragon Tattoo, I still want to talk about it because he's such an interesting filmmaker to me. Um, and I think... Uh, I it hasn't made me want to go back and revisit the game and Fight Club because I just think he's grown. I still don't like those movies, and I still the game the game is worth revisiting. It's a lot more fun than I used to than I thought it was. Okay, um, maybe I will revisit the game. It's been longer since I've seen the game than it has since I've seen Fight Club. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, from Zodiac on, I'm on board with David Fincher, whatever he's doing. David Fincher or me? You? Okay. But I'm about to talk about David Fincher. Uh, get ready, because I'm going to blow your fucking mind, <laughs> all right? Because I, uh, I just blew mine right out the back of my head uh-huh. uh, as I thought of this. Uh, you know, you ever, do you ever find, as somebody is talking, it reminds you of something, and you're still listening, but you thought, oh, no, not like a negative thing, but, oh, wow, here we are. We've arrived at a complete, at completion somehow. Oh, yeah, here okay, we go. Okay, so here we go. Uh, perfect timing, too. We've got to wrap up. As you were describing David Fincher and what he is now, I thought of a handful of other filmmakers like uh, Paul Thomas Anderson, like a Coen Brothers. Like, you mm-hmm. know, there's a handful of them right now. And the word that came to mind was vital. And it's a word that has been said about art before and about filmmakers before and about films before. But then I thought about the conversation we're having. Mm-hmm. And I thought about how, you know, your arm important though it is, is not a vital organ. Right. Without, and, and I'm speaking for myself personally because I, because the word came to me vital. Um, if you, you know, if you, you can't live without your heart, it is a vital organ. You need it to live. And so, and I brought that back around to the idea of David Fincher for people like us at this point, there, there was an inevitability. I, it doesn't matter if I was interested in the material of Gone Girl. It didn't matter. I felt like I had to see it. I very much felt like, what, am I not going to see it? It's yeah. David Fincher. He's vital. Yeah. And that goes back to this idea of, like, uh, of what you said. Nothing's going to happen to you if you don't see it. And yet, for some people, and I'm not going to project this onto you, I'll say for myself, 
Fincher being a vital filmmaker makes his films then vital. They make it makes it so that I feel like I'm at least in 2014 had right. I not have had I gone the entire year without seeing Gone Girl, I would have felt incomplete. I would have felt like that was a vital part of understanding the li- landscape of the so year. If David Fincher's next film is an adaptation of The Five People You Meet in Heaven, you're still on board. Almost doubly so. I mean, when you, when you, yeah, that's, be a, good, to that's know. a good point. Yeah. But I'm saying, because uh, this is something that I, uh, a conversation that I have with my wife sometimes, like with, again, I'll go back to Pacific Rim. Um, she was uninterested in seeing Pacific Rim from the beginning right. because, because she's a girl. No, that's not <laughs> the case. I mean, yes, she is. Uh, no, she's a woman. Um, anyway. I was making jo- uh, a joke, by the way. I know. Okay. Uh, but, uh, that's not why. Uh, but giant monsters gi- fighting giant robots is not her cup of tea. Yeah. It's also not my cup of tea. Yeah. But the fact that it was Guillermo del Toro meant I'm gonna, I want to see this. Yeah. She doesn't have that. She no with, with, how, with any filmmaker. No, well, she just doesn't. Uh, she doesn't put the director on that high. I mean, she res- respects directors. She's yeah. a, you know a smart person with taste. She gets it. But there, are, like, if it's. If it's a topic that she doesn't, if Paul Thomas Anderson made yeah. a giant monster fighting giant robot movie, she'd probably sit it out, wait for the next one. Hmm. Uh, but she loves Paul Thomas Anderson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, yeah. I want I I want to net not necessarily explore because I don't think there's that much to go into. There's also not it, much not that much time left. That's uh, we, boy. That is we true. have to wrap up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the um the idea that I that that I just thought of that I think we've probably uh, sort of addressed already is a movie for me, a movie becomes vital by extension of the stuff behind it. Um, an actor isn't necessarily enough, but a filmmaker is only lovers left alive became vital because it's Jim Jarmusch making a vampire movie. Uh And so that's, that's a two pronged thing. Jim Jarmusch vampires. I wouldn't put the two of them together. I have to see this. What am I not going to see the Jim Jarmusch vampire movie? Yeah. Come on. But I mean, has, uh, there are very few actors that I don't know. I, I might go so far as to say there are no actors that will guarantee I'll buy a ticket to a movie. Um, but Tom Hiddleston's close. He's pretty great. Uh, and, and Tilda Swinton. Like, yeah. How, how many, uh, clearly they've been in good and bad movies, but do they have, is there anything on either of their, resumes at least in the past five ten years uh not that i knew who tom Wilson was 10 years ago but uh that is a boring choice or an uninteresting movie choice you know like we all love tom hardy right tom hardy's great but he he, he did this means war with chris pine and yeah. uh i don't even remember who the female lead in that is i do not recall i want to say reese witherspoon that's where my mind went but i, I, I feel like reese witherspoon i like reese witherspoon <laughs> so yeah. i guess that's another example uh, I'm actually a big Reese Witherspoon fan, and I've only yeah, in and this recent what, years come to realize that. Well, this is the year for you then, because apparently she's in two amazing things. What, she's in Wild? Yeah, and then and she's um, in The Good Lie? The Good Lie, that's And she one. also was the producer of Gone Girl. She's the one who bought the rights. Oh, I don't think I even realized that. She bought the rights to the book, because she loved the book, hmm. with the intention of playing it, of playing the part. Then when they brought David Fincher on, David Fincher convinced her you're not right for this role. And she said, I want to do what's right for the movie. So I'll let go of this 
uh, and you make it with who you want, and I'll stay on as producer. Now that Again, I, is, I love Reese Witherspoon because of that. That is admirable. <laughs> because, I mean, think of the way people are talking about Rosamund Pike. Now, yeah. here's the thing. They wouldn't be talking about Reese Witherspoon in that role. They would have said, like, good for her for taking it, but she's kind of miscast. Um, I don't know if she would have been able to I, pull off that role. I don't know if that's true, actually. Um, I think she... It was, certainly would have had a different have, tone. Um, I think... I was actually talking about this. My wife keeps coming up. I was talking about this with my wife, about Reese Witherspoon being in the My world. wife. And I, I just think um, physically, I don't know the exact physical proportions of Rosamund Pike, but I feel like she's taller than Reese Witherspoon and is a better just aesthetic visual match for Ben Affleck. If you have Ben Affleck and Reese Witherspoon. That's true. It, uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a real imbalance there that yeah. would have affected the reading of the film, I think. Yeah, he could, like, stumble and smash her face or something like that. Like, she's very small. Um, by the way, me, me quoting Borat, uh, I don't do that, but David and Paul have done that enough to me when I say my wife <laughs> that, that, now, yeah, oh yeah. that now it's 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 payback time. Turnabout is fair play. Um, but, yeah, What's so, good for the goose is good for the uh, <laughs> he's good for the, the bi- Biola. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's, I think that's a good place to to wrap up. I think so as well. I think this has been a very good conversation because this is an instinct that film fans have, and I'd say especially internet film fans, um, yeah. which I guess almost any film fan probably is at this point. But yeah, and so, um, so yeah, just understanding that this is an instinct you have and why, and is it a bad thing? Is it a good thing? And I think it depends on, you know, why, if, if, if it's ultimately, if it winds up being like my friend and again, it's, I, he has no obligation to try to be like you and me. If he wants to see a movie for hype, that's fine. He's going to wind up seeing a lot of bad movies then because hype is a function of mostly of studios and the studio publicity machine. Um, but, uh, but yeah, if he wants to do that, then that's fine. I think it's. I think there are better reasons to feel like you have to see a movie, but whatever, you know. Yeah. All right. So every so, episode should end with, eh, but whatever. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, don't don't put too much pressure on yourself. That's what I'm saying. Indeed. Uh, don't convince yourself the pressure is coming from somewhere else. It's coming from inside you. Yeah. And uh, you can find us at battleshipretention.com. You can email us at david at battleshipretention.com or tyler at battleshipretention.com. You can follow me on Twitter at the pretension. That's me, David, or Davey, um, which it's okay if you call me Davey. Um, and you can find Tyler on Twitter at Tyler Pretension. That's correct. Yes, that's the your new uh, handle. Yes. Now, is At More Lessons dead? No, it still exists. Uh, at some point, um, I may wind up sort of inviting people from one to follow me on the other and then make one what i like to call a super account <laughs> um uh, but yeah so. it would be nice if you could petition twitter to like that combine would, followers that would be great um but, but uh anyway uh it's at tyler pretension mm-hmm. but your other podcast is called more than one lesson anything going on over there other than biola by the time this goes up because we we did not record we i I won't be putting anything out for the week that I'm in Chicago. So the most recent episode that is available to you is about it was about Coraline. But this coming week, we'll be uh, making up for lost time. We'll be recording and putting out two episodes, one about the aforementioned Only Lovers Left Alive Mm. with the companion film The Day the Earth Stood Still. And which one? uh, The original, of course. (laughs) Um, I didn't you know, I didn't see the 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 new one. Did Did not feel like I had to. Um, And then. We'll be doing one. Ah, yes, about the guest. 
Oh, what's with, the companion film there? It is either Needful Things, hmm. which we are predisposed to wanting to watch because Josh loves Max von Sydow. Um Have you seen Needful Things? Has I Josh have, seen Needful Things? I have seen it, yes. It's I really s- bad. I don't think in my it, opinion. Okay, let me uh, let me suggest this. Everyone I know that has read the book Needful Things does not like the movie. Yeah, that very much could be the, the I problem. have not read the book and I thought the movie was fairly effective. Admittedly, I've not seen it in a long time. Uh, but if that if but it's also a hard film to find uh, to to watch. So, if we wind up not being able to talk about needful things i can get you a copy of needful things what on dvd really why i can (laughs) let's just move on you're creeping me out but you know what i like it i like this i like this guy um all right i guess that the the companion film if that wasn't the case was going to be uh the devil and daniel webster oh needful i have that on dvd too yeah as do i um, but yeah, so that's that's what's coming up on More Than One Lesson. All right. Uh, my other podcast is the television podcast, Hey, Watch This with Paul and David. I don't know what's coming up because it's too far in the future. So uh, thank you for listening. We'll get you next time. Bye. Bye. This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet. 